Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Welcome back to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bear cast. I'm your host, Phil Gonzalez, and I'm wearing a pair of headphones. I don't actually need to wear a pair of headphones. I'm taking them off right now. It's weird. I don't know why I had them on, but I was having trouble hearing myself. And then I realized it's because I'm wearing headphones, but I'm not actually listening to myself through the headphones. So it was essentially like I was trying to listen to myself from another room. It was very weird. You can only hear like I'm only hearing my voice echoing in my in any case. Hi, welcome back to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bearcast. Uh, whoa, you said at the top of the show, I was reading from the Bible. That's right. I was reading from uh, Matthew 7, uh, where he goes on and on about, uh, you know, the stuff that Jesus said about judging and being judged and planks in the eyes and pearls before swine and knocking you shall have the door open for you, leading up to the point of the quote, which was, do unto others what you would have them do to you, because this week we are discussing ging-a-da-ging, it's a Zonderkids book. We are dipping sort of quickly into the Living Lights series. Now, you're probably saying, whoa, 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 you've, you've covered the Living Lights series before, and I have. I've, I've covered this Living Lights Zonderkids series. These are the 8 by 8 books that look just like the first time books. Which we're pretty much done with, because uh, we're we're into Harper Collins and we're here and we're here in past first time books, and now we're into uh, the, what is essentially the new version of those. But the Living Light series, as we've covered before, look just like the first time books, which, as Mike has said, led to much confusion when it came to people accidentally buying religious books they weren't expecting to buy. Uh, these books were intended to be kept separate from the main line of Berenstain Bears books, but they were, you know, bookstores would get them, just put them right in. They look just like the other ones, and they sell just as well. And so that leads to a little confusion on the bookshelves. Even when I go to the library, they're just sort of tossed in with the rest of the Berenstain Bears books. So you, you have to look for that little candle up in the corner if you don't want to come home and have a religious book on you. But this is the one of the first Zonder Kids Living Lights books. The, in 2008, a, a, a set came out, uh, the first four, which was Berenstain Bears the Golden Rule, Berenstain Bears Go to Sunday School, Berenstain Bears Say Their Prayers, and Berenstain Bears God Loves You. Now, What's interesting is Mike wrote about these to me uh, not terribly long ago when I asked about um, when I asked about sort of the origin of living lights and he said that his original focus, uh, the original concept was to focus on less denominationally specific titles. So that's why these first books are very general, just sort of like vague Christianity books. Um, these aren't these aren't traditional Berenstain Bears books given a religious twist. These are books about your your essential precepts of sort of mainstream, uh, mainstream like Protestant 
Christianity, uh, you know, going to Sunday school, saying your prayers, giving thanks, loving your neighbors, blessing the home, uh, and following the golden rule. And and I decided because these books don't have a particular order, the, you know, there was the first four 2008 books and then a four book set that had all of these books in it, uh, I decided to start with the golden rule because that kind of, the golden rule kind of forms the basis of everything that comes after, uh, not only in the Bernstein Bears world, but in you know, religion and philosophy and moral teachings in general throughout all of history. It's your, it's your foundational rule, and it kind of is the foundational rule of bear country, of the Bernstein Bears in general, uh, doing unto others, treating people as you would wish to be treated. But what is the golden rule? Uh, what, what, what is it? What, what do you even call that idea? I mean, obviously it's a, it's a rule, but how does it, it's not a religious, there's nothing religious about it. It's, 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 I've heard it referred to as a, as a credo or a, a moral precept. Uh, according to Wikipedia, it is an ethic of reciprocity, which is a very specific type of, of ethical uh, rule or ethical teaching. Uh, it's also extremely specific, but also very vague. And I think it works best if you look at it on a macro level and not on a micro level. Um, so the basic concept is uh, treat others as you would wish to be treated. And that is the that is the positive form of the golden rule. There's also a negative form of the golden rule, which is do not treat others how you would not like to be treated. Um, and there's also an, empath an empathetic or responsive form, which is uh, what you wish upon others, you wish upon yourself. And all of these variations on the golden rule are, they sort of bleed into each other, feed into each other without necessarily being the same thing. Uh, we have... Uh, no, the, this sort of ethical teaching goes back as far back as ethical teaching goes. I mean, it can even be seen as as foundational to uh, you know in the, in the in the most harsh scenario, it is foundational to the eye for an eye concept. Then the notion that you should be that that what you have committed towards someone should then be carried out upon you. It is it is it is malleable and flexible, but it it you know. Ver variations on it go back to ancient Egypt, uh, India, to ancient Greece, to ancient Persia, to ancient Rome. You found versions of it in Judaism, Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, Sikhism, Taoism. Just you can find variations on that because it's it, because it's foundational. Because even if you were involved in a in a unethical situation there is a there is flowing through all of that everyone wants to be treated how they want to be treated and wishes that people would treat them the way they want to be treated so at the core of a lot of a lot of even very negative beliefs is this notion of i want you to treat me like i want to be treated therefore i will treat you this way so like there's even like there's a transactional form of that it's it's tricky there's a there was a great article written about it um by, uh, I'm going to mispronounce her name, Dinsa Sakan, uh, who wrote an article called What Do We Get Wrong About the Golden Rule? And it's sort of an exploration uh, in her experience with the Golden Rule and discovering that just because we're treating someone as we wish to be treated, it doesn't mean that we are doing the right thing. Um, the example that she gives is that uh, when she was talking with her friend, she mentioned her friend's ex and her friend got very upset and it confused her because she prefers 
private, you know, personal issues to be brought up when when they're when they're when it's obvious. It, it makes her more comfortable in conversation. And so she got shocked that her friend was offended by that, and that her uh, her partner uh, would get. Uh, irked when she would call him repeatedly when he was on trips because she prefers to be called and he prefers to talk over text. And so she was treating him as she would wish to be treated, not realizing that she was actually causing stress in his life. And so it's that, like when you start looking at it on a micro level, well, obviously we all wish to be treated in very specific ways, very differently. And so when we treat people exclusively as we wish to be treated, we are going to rub people the wrong way, which was why the golden rule generally applied as treat people with respect and respect their wishes. If you wish people to respect your wishes is a better, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say a better way, but is a more a logical way to apply it because obviously no two people want to be treated exactly the same way. And, and we're going to get into that as we get into the book, which is the Berenstain Bears and the Golden Rule. Uh, again, 2008, there is no lead-in poem to this one because the religious books tend to lead in with just a quote. Do to others what you would have them do to you. And it quotes Matthew 7, 12, although variations on that exist throughout many religious teachings. Uh, so the, the basic gist of the story is this. Uh, Sister Bear, it's, it's, uh, it's her birthday, and she gets a locket from her parents that is inscribed on the inside with the golden rule. And they tell her to, you know, to put it around her neck, she's like, I'm going to wear this all the time. But what does this mean? What's this golden rule? What does do to others what you would have them do to you? And Which leads to my favorite funny part in the book, which is mom is like, she's like, why does this seem so familiar? Mom's like, why? It's written on the wall. And and there's a sign, like a, like a, like a hand-stitched sign over the fireplace that says, do to others what you would have them do to you. And sister's like, you know, I, that, that's been up there every day of my life. And I never noticed it. And I'm like, well, neither have we as readers. It has never been over the fire fireplace before all of a sudden there's this enormous uh, handcrafted sign of the golden rule and so she's like oh that's why it seems familiar but what does it mean here is here's my one of my favorite parts of the uh, immediately following my favorite part of the book because another one of my favorite parts uh papa's like it means t- tells you to treat other people the way you want to be treated yourself and she says well why is it inside my locket and we get the most patronizing papa moment in many a berenstain bear book he he leans over he kisses her on the forehead and he said it's a golden rule inside a golden locket for a little golden princess and that's it. It's, the picture is Papa kissing her on the forehead and sister rolling her eyes. He's being patronizing. He's being gross. And uh, he obviously doesn't know. So the mama explains. She's like, it's got a golden rule because it's precious. It's like gold. But it's not about the gold you wear around your neck or on your finger. And then she holds out her wedding ring and she said, it's about the golden treasure we keep inside our own hearts. The heart shape of the locket is meant to remind you of that. And then sister's like, I don't, that doesn't mean anything. Like that, what are you talking? Like, so we have these two the parents treat the golden rule as sacrosanct, as like this, as like, duh, this is the thing. Like, it's the golden rule, sister. She's like, why, why are you giving it to me to wear around my neck? And they're like, oh, don't even worry about it. It's golden. It's like, it's your heart. It's gold, golden. Wear it on the gold. Wear it around your neck, sister. And then they just leave her with that. They do no work, neither of the parents, to, to help center this rule in sister's life, to help her see how she can apply it to her day-to-day life. And I think part of that is because they see sister as someone who is uh, already sort of morally on the path to following the golden rule every day. This is bear country. We we treat each other with respect. We try to do unto others as we would have them uh, do unto us. And then they sort of leave her go about, about her business. And what we're going to find out is that sister doesn't automatically follow the golden rule because there are pressures in life 
that push us from one direction or another away from treating other people as we would wish to be treated ourselves. And also, we'll, this is going to bring up the whole notion of the flaw behind the golden rule. Uh, so she's hanging out with her friends, Lizzie, Millie, Anna, and Linda. Sister Bear seems to have this sort of ever-evolving group of friends. I don't understand, like, who Linda is. But in any case, they're all really into this locket. And then Queenie McBear walks up, and she's like, Hey, Queenie. Now, here's one thing that's really cool about this book, is we get a couple of references back to uh, Sister Bear's story, uh, The In Crowd, The Berenstain Bears, The In Crowd, which we covered many, many episodes ago, which is where Queenie McBear first showed up in town and began stealing the sister's friends away from her by just being cooler than sister. And sister not wanting to compromise her own sense of self and her own identity to fit in with Queenie McBear's uh, in crowd. And so you sort of had this whole book about sister going back and forth on like, do I want to change who I am in order to fit in with this cooler crowd? Or do I want to simply be comfortable with who I am and hope people see me as being genuine and hope people still like me for being who I am? Of course, it all works out for her and Queenie kind of learns her lesson. There's a whole thing with a jump rope contest and red hot pepper and it's too much to get into right now. But we so we see we're reintroduced to Queenie, even though she's been with us this whole time, we're reintroduced to her as this sort of adversarial figure in sister's life. She comes up, she looks at Sister's locket, and she's like, ah, cute, and walks away. Because Queenie has is blinged out to the max. She's got beads, she's got hoop earrings, she's got... Says she herself wore big hoop earrings and lots of beads and chains. Uh, these are, like, jewelry chains. Not She's not, like, weighed. She's not like Jacob Marley. She's not, like, fettered with the chains that she has forged in her own life. This is Queenie McBear. Uh, cool, cool, cool Queenie McBear. Uh, future love interest of, of, of Too Tall. Frequent love interest of Too Tall. But not cool enough for cool Carl King, as we know. Uh, so she walks off, and Sister's a little put off, but she's like, you know what? Queenie, Queenie is still kind of in her own world. She kind of has her own in-crowd. They, they spend a lot of time with jewelry. They spend a lot of time acting cool, thinking about boys. They don't really frame it this way, but it's clear that Queenie McBear's group is slightly older, slightly further along in the old, like, puberty than Sister and her friends are. There's there's more hormones at play in Queenie McBear's crowd than, than in Sister Bear's crowd, which is fine. That is not a character thing. That is a biological thing. Uh, people approach that in more or less different tracks in their lives, and I think it's one of those things that kids, it's impossible to explain to children, but they're at the age when those differences are going are starting to become more noticeable. And But Sister Bear's like, whatever. Sister has her own group of friends she hangs out with. Queenie has her group of friends. That's not a problem, except it is a problem because a new student shows up, Susie McGrizzy, uh, who clearly is a member of the of the Grizzly of the Grizzly Clan. We we need to keep that in mind. Uh, remember, there are two family clans that feed into the population of Bear Country: uh, the Bears and the Grizzlies. And there was a great Bear War many years ago, fought between the two clans. But the the Bears, whose last names are Grizzly or contain evidence of Grizzly, were part of the Grizzly Clan. Uh, it does not come into play in the book, but I always like to remind our our, our listeners that uh, Bear Country has a history, and part of that history is the Great Bear War. So Susie McGrizzy uh, shows up, and it says it seemed like a funny sort of name, which is weird, because we've known characters named Susie, and almost all of their names contain evidence of, of them being bears. So I don't know why Susie McGrizzy is a weird name in bear country, but obviously it is meant to be because the author tells us it is. It says, for one thing, it has a lot of Zs in it. Okay, it has no more Z's than any other name that has it has Z's in it. The Grizzly has Z's in it. It has two Z's. Uh, Susie McGrizzy has no more Z's in it than Ms. McGrizz does. I'm, I'm just going to put that right out there. Uh, but she seems a little funny herself. Her clothes aren't cool. She doesn't wear cool clothes. 
which is also weird because her clothes don't necessarily stand out, except that her collar is a little odd. But keep bear in mind that Sister Bear wears a jumper design for a two-year-old uh, with frilly sleeves and pink polka dots. So I don't think she's in any place to, to comment on that. She wears her hair up in pigtails, which I'm also going to point out is exactly like one of, uh, of Queenie McBear's friends wears her hair in exactly the same style that Susie McGrizzy does. And... Uh, and she has thick glasses and braces, uh, which is which is not anything she has control over. So we're keeping that in mind. She wears thick glasses, braces, wears her hair like other kids do, wears clothes that don't really stand out. Uh, some of these girls are wearing modified sailor suits. It's all I'm saying. Uh, she's wearing braces, not the cool kind of braces with different colors, just plain old braces. And I'm like, okay, look, we all new friends or were the friend who had braces and some of the kids had braces that had like colorful bands in them i'm gonna put this out there right now that didn't make you cool it actually kind of made your braces more obvious uh not that i ever thought anyone was cool or not cool in school because they had braces i knew plenty of people who were in the super popular super cool super buff ripped i'm a football player in crowd who had ginormous braces because you know what braces Fix your teeth. They don't, they're not an indication of character. And even in junior high school, we were like, this is a ridiculous thing to make fun of someone over because we know people from all social strata and all various levels of the junior high school caste system who wear braces. Your parents make that decision. You don't. Um, but Millie wears cool braces and Susie, I guess, doesn't. So we have a, a student who actually doesn't necessarily stand out in description. So in the illustration, she is drawn looking like some kind of space alien. I am not kidding. Every single drawing of Susie, she is she is grimacing so that her braces show and they show these giant glasses. They, they make her look like an absolute nightmare at times. Uh, uh, what's funny is the first shot we get of her entering the school is a, a two-page spread and we see uh, Sister Bear and two of her friends talking in the forefront, in like in the, in the front of the image. We see lockers in the hall, a couple of students going through their lockers. We see Susie walking in the door looking like a nightmare. And we see in the lower left-hand corner, but taking up a good chunk of the page, is Too Tall Grizzly. And he's standing there facing the reader with his arms crossed and a look of absolute dismay on his face. Now, Too Tall is not featured in this book so at all. He's never even named, but he's prominent in this photo. But he looks just sad, like and tired. And all I can think of is that this is Too Tall telling us, here comes a student who is so clear Really a focus of my own impotent rage and my own sense of, of bully bulliness. She is so setting herself up so much to be picked on and treated like 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 human waste that I can't even get the energy up to treat like it's too much of a setup. I'm the school bully, and this is this is this is it's too clear what my job is at this point. And I am I am more of an artist than this. You are this is would be it would be demeaning to me to treat this child as as the nerd I need to treat her as. I am I am I am taking myself now out of the story. I am I am going to get in a cab and ride out of the Berenstain Bears storybooks so I don't have to confront this nerd. And so that is it. That's the end of Too Tall. He, he, he yeets himself out of the tale and we're done with him, even though he takes up a quarter of a page of an illustration. Uh, so what ends up happening is that Susie shows up and she's, she goes and it's recess and she's just kind of chilling by herself. I don't know if she's in anyone's class or what, but she's not invited into anyone's 
games, we see kids on swings, kids on teeter-totters, kids holding hands and kicking a ball. I don't know if they're actually holding hands, but it looks like they are. A kid jumping rope. And sister considers going over and introducing herself, but uh, but Linda and Lizzie and Melinda and Belinda and Millie and Mizzy, I don't know all these Cubs names. They're like, we're getting together a game of hopscotch, which does sound funny to me. That's like getting together a game of craps. We're getting together a game of hopscotch. You don't get together a game. You're, we're playing hopscotch. Just say it like it is, kids. Uh, and sister's like, should we invite uh, that other girl, Susie? I don't what's her whatever her name is, Susie. And they're like, Susie, who's he face? They already have a nickname for her. Uh, her name, by the way, is Susie McGrizzy. They call her Susie Who's Face, which uh, which is not a good. They end up calling her Susie McWoozy. Her name is normal in bear. She has a bear name. In any case, they're like. She has weird clothes and weird pigtails, which, again, look just like other Cubs' pigtails. She has clunky glasses and braces. And and sister's like, well, I just... Uh, and they're like, don't worry about her. She'll be fine. She's going to find other Cubs to play with. Cubs... She's going to find Cubs more her type to play with. And I'm going to take a... I'm going to take a, a brief moment to tell a little personal anecdote. When I was in college, I, I, I had a, a few girlfriends. Not many. But I dated. And I remained friends with, of course, my exes. We were all involved in the theater department, so we had to remain friends. And one of my exes, uh, I was talking with her one day, and she she was currently dating a guy who was not, uh, I believe, in theater. But he was he was a, a what would uh, I don't know what his major was. All I know is that he majored in being a hunk. In my eyes, uh, she was dating. She dated strapping lads after she dated me. I'll just put it that way. And uh, we were talking, and she was dating this guy, big guy, tall guy, well, in, a, a real six footer, as they as they say across the pond, uh, and uh, just a beefy boy, a handsome man, uh, uh, a real real man about campus. And she was talking with him. I guess she was telling me this story, and she mentioned casually that uh, that she and I had dated. And he said, "Really?" And she said, uh, "Yeah." And he goes. You did it, Phil? Yeah. Phil Gonzalez? Yeah. With the glasses and the teeth? And she told me this story because she thought it was hilarious that he described me as Phil Gonzalez with the glasses and the teeth. But I'm going to tell you right now that for many years afterwards, I, I, okay, until today, I still think of myself as Phil Gonzalez with the glasses and the teeth. If you don't know me, I wear glasses, clearly. And uh, my teeth are a little weird. They, 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 they're a little crooked. My front two teeth, one of my front two teeth sticks out much further than the other. I should have had braces when I was younger, but I, I but I poo pooed the idea, and regretted it for the rest of my days. Uh, my teeth are my teeth my teeth are they don't face in the right direction necessarily. Uh, but I, I do think of myself as smoking out the glass and teeth. It, the thing is, it struck this boy as odd that she would have dated me, uh, thinking that I was well below her standards, uh, which is true and remains true uh, to this day for for anyone that I am currently with. Uh, my apologies to my current partner. Lana, uh, I am well below everyone's standards. In any case, uh, that's, I bring this up because the way the girls are making fun of Susie Mc, McGrizzy reminds me of the way I was referred to. Uh, she, has, she has glasses and teeth, uh, which, you know, whatever. So, so Sister allows herself to be led away to the hopscotch game. I like that. She allows herself to be led away. It's still her choice. Uh, but she worries about this girl. Uh, but she couldn't, she couldn't identify why she's worrying about this girl. Uh, but she forgets about her. And the school lets out... Uh, they're on the bus, and Sister Bear is twirling her new locket around. Uh, it, by this point, it's just become a piece of junk jewelry. She doesn't really think about it. Uh, but she she accidentally drops it, does not realize she drops it, until Susie 
comes up to her shyly and says, you dropped this. Again, but with a rictus, like a, like a toothy rictus with her braces standing out. Like they're really emphasizing that this cub has a weird mouth of teeth. And also her clothes in a couple of in a couple of shots, her jacket and, and white collared shirt look like she's wearing a Santa Claus suit. She's not wearing a Santa Claus suit, but it does look like she's wearing a Santa Claus suit. But again, she's dressing normally for bear country. She is talking to a girl who is wearing... I must emphasize an outfit designed for a two-year-old. So sister's like, huh, I dropped my locket. Wow, I might not have ever gotten that back. So she goes home and her parents are like, how was your day? And she's thinking about the, the golden rule and she's she's kind of staring off into space and she's like, you know what, I, don't, I still don't get the golden rule. I don't really get what it's supposed to mean, which is funny because it seems pretty, pretty clear cut. It's the golden rule. But her mom was like, remember when Queenie first moved into town? And she's like, yeah. And we get another flashback to the original book. She's like, remember when she started the in crowd and she made fun of your hair and your clothes and how bad you felt about that? She wouldn't let you enter a group. And sister's like, yeah. Sister is still so affected by the events of the in crowd that she begins crying at the table uh, because of how much that hurt her. And Papa's like, look, all it's saying is that don't turn around and do the same sort of thing to someone else that was done to you. And I love this because he presents the inverse of the golden rule. Don't treat others the way you don't want to be treated. So we get, it's first is presented as do unto others. But Papa's like, this is more an example of the negative version of the golden rule. Don't, don't treat people like you hate, like that in ways that will make you feel bad. And then, uh, then he says, as he's feeding Honey Bear, because remember Honey Bear is actually a character. You should always treat other people the way you would like to be treated yourself. And sister's like, but I don't, I, I don't do that. I don't, ha I, ha I don't even have an in crowd. And this is where brother finally has a line in the book. He's like, what about Lizzie and Anna and Millie and Linda? Mizzy and Binda and Lindy and Millie, like, all their names. These are, these are like, this is the worst array of names, by the way. There's no Susanna. Uh, there's no like Patrice. It's like Lizzie and Anna and Millie and Linda and Blinda and Minda and Blinda. I, I cannot keep them straight. But brother's like, you, you hang out with them. You never invite anyone into your group. And she's like, but I just play with my friend. We're not trying to keep people out. I just, we're just hanging out. And mama's like, of course not, dear. I'm sure you would never dream of keeping other cubs out of your group. And it's, it's clear what mother's doing here, what mama is doing here. Uh, she's putting, planting seeds of doubt in sister's brain. So it's recess the next day, and, and Susie is sitting under a tree reading by herself. And sister marches right up to her, says, hello. Sis, um, Susie says, hello. She's like, I'm sister. You want to play some hopscotch? And she's like, I'd love to. I love hopscotch. With a big bracy grin. Don't ever forget that this child is wearing uncool braces. Big bracy grin. I love hopscotch. And she goes and she runs over and she's like, okay, you want to see my locket? And she's like, sure. And they run across to the hopscotch. Sister's golden locket gleamed in the sun as she ran. Now, this is weird because it is that whole thing of like, I'm inviting you to join our game. Hey, you want to see this locket? It tell it told me to be nice to you. <laughs> like, I want to show you this jewelry just so you don't think I got it into my own head to invite you to play with us. I do find that a little. Don't show her the locket. It's the, the same as going up to a kid and being like, my mom told me I had to play with you. Like, just leave it out of the conversation, sister. If she wants to see your locket, fine. You don't want to invoke the golden rule when you're being nice to someone. Let them think that you're just being nice. Also, there's a picture of, of Susie smiling that looks like one of the, like, 
monster sculptures Guillermo del Toro would have in his house. It is a nightmare. It's like if Where's Waldo and Ferdy Factual had a love baby, and the love baby is Susie McGrizzy. Like, I do not know why they, they go out of their way to make her look terrifying, but they do. Uh, and that's the end of the book. They go off to buy hopscotch. Now, this is where the sort of like the weird... Susie is sitting under the tree reading a book and Sister Bear comes up to her and is like, wants to play. And now Susie is in an uncomfortable situation. And here's where the whole like, do unto others you have. To Sister Bear, to have to do unto others as you would have them do unto you involves going up to this lonely cub and inviting her to play hopscotch. To, and to, fortunately to Susie, that is a good thing. Now, on the, on the downside of this, she could be a bear like me who would actually prefer to be sitting under a tree reading a book to herself. There's nothing wrong with using recess time, with using downtime as a, as a, as a, as a moment to, 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 to chill out, to relax, to sort of gather your thoughts. That might be with, now that is not what is happening. Susie, they've said a few times that Susie looks lonely. But again, this is sister's perception. It could simply be that Susie is, is not lonely. That Susie is like, I, I prefer to, to I, I am more comfortable taking the initiative myself and approaching people on my own time. We don't know that. And again, the golden rule is simply do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The golden rule simply states, treat people like you would like to be treated, sister would like to be treated. If sister is alone, she prefers people to approach her. That That is fine. So sister does that. Now, here's where the golden rule works better on a macro level than on a micro level. On a micro level, you should treat people, on a micro level, it's like treat people exactly to the T as you would like to be treated. If a person likes to be slapped, if you like to be slapped on the back, when you're when you're greeting someone, then you slap people as hard as you can on the back when you greet them. Uh, if you would like, if you like people to surprise you by jumping up behind you and saying "boo," you should do that to people. If you like to have surprise parties thrown for you, then you should throw surprise parties for people, even if they seem to be the kind of person who is who is socially awkward or doesn't like to be surprised by things. That is where the golden rule applied on a micro level, where you are you are you are taking the 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 bits and bobs of everyday life and trying to trying to make people. Uh, uh, follow those same bits and bobs. Now, obviously, the golden rule doesn't mean that. The golden rule is is more general. Treat people with respect. Uh, treat, listen to what people are saying and respect their wishes. Uh, when they make the, their wishes known, uh, you would like people to respect your wishes. Respect other people's wishes. That's kind of on a bigger on a bigger level, and that's kind of the bear country. When bear country works. It works because people are treating each other with respect, uh, respecting other people's wishes, respecting other people's emotions, respecting other people's space, respecting their desires, respect and and showing this sort of general love for one another, which is, again, a, a thing that the guy said in the Bible when he was talking about the planks in the eyes and all that stuff. He also said at the at the end of the day, the big rule is love one another. That was kind of his deal, that guy. And. And he was in there because they were like, you know, like if we had to follow one rule, what's the rule? And the guy says, just love one another. And and he doesn't even say treat it, do unto others as you because he understands that's a problematic rule when you start getting into the nitty gritty. Cut through all the junk and just say, just love each other. Because if you do that, then the rest will follow. And I believe I believe that when it works, when the Berenstain Bears books work. They work because they are following those precepts, those the, the the golden rule, and love one another. Those are the two like 
Those are the two big ones. Uh, the Berenstain Bears books don't always work. They sometimes get a little bit in the weeds, and that's fine because they don't only function as moral teaching tools. They function as stories and entertaining tales. Mike says, like, he tries to balance out, like, the morals with actually just telling a fun yarn. And sometimes you're more interested in just getting a laugh out of your reader than you are in like teaching a lesson. And sometimes the joke is that the lesson doesn't make any sense. Uh, I'm thinking of the Baron's Christmas tree where, you know, he's like, we got to treat all life as worth living. And then brother's like, what about this giant fish we're eating? Doesn't it deserve to live too? And Papa's like, ha, 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 anyway. And that's the joke. There's a bit of irony to it. No, no rule applies universally. We're not, we can't all, I mean, we could all, we could all, but we, we probably will not all be monks sweeping the ground in front of us so that we don't accidentally step on an ant. Like that is that is beyond the energy level of most human beings. So uh, what Bear Country says is just try to apply this rule in general. It won't always work for everyone. Um, and it's interesting that that's that, that is the end of it. That's the that's the end of the book. That is religion doesn't even get mentioned in this book. Uh, the only religion that gets mentioned in this book is the opening Bible quote, the Matthew seven twelve quote. Uh, and what's interesting is that right after he says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets, he, done, he then jumps right into, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But the small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Um, and, and so this is, this is, of course, the guy I'm talking about is, is Jesus, um, Yeshua, the prophet, um, you know, to some the Messiah, to others the great teacher, to some just a rabbi, to others uh, the son of God, uh, depending on who you ask and who, you know, which which religious tradition you follow. Um, to some, uh, a person whose most of his words were cribbed from other sources. Uh, it doesn't matter. He did say some good stuff. Uh, but this is all part of his big sermon, one of his big sermons, because remember, there's four books about the guy in, in uh, the Christian Bible, and they don't always line up, but he gives us some sermons, and this is his big sermon, and a lot of what he says is good general rules, and he sums up this whole section with the golden rule, where he's like, hey, just just understand that, just treat people like you want to be treated, and we're all going to get along just fine, um, and, and, and it is interesting that, like, in this book, this Zondervan book, uh, this Living Lights book, it basically just says, like, follow the golden rule, never mentions, never goes out of its way to mention, uh, religion at all. To mention Christianity, to mention Jesus. Um, uh, because, you know, you can you can dip into other religions because there are variations on this rule throughout. And they all basically come to the idea of um, love your neighbor. Like, love your neighbor. Like, that's it. Like, just love your neighbor. Treat strangers with kindness. You know, we're all strangers. We were all strangers in the land of Egypt, so be kind to strangers. Like, that's that's the same thing. It's it's basically this sort of sense of empathy. Like, just think about how other people feel. Think about the feelings of others. Think about the happiness of others and act that way. It doesn't mean disregard your own feelings. It simply means consider other people. And, and that's a good thing? Like, that's... I think a lot of the problems in the world, I know this is vast oversimplification, but a lot of the problems in the world is just a lot, is so much a lack of empathy, so much a lack of shutting up and listening to other people and then accepting that the way they feel is true. Um, yeah, it's basic human rights. Like that's the foundation of basic human rights. Like at the at their core is is everyone is 
is worth why like everyone's voice deserves to be heard and everyone deserves to have a like a real a real chance at life and if you thought about people and allowed yourself to 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 think if you allowed yourself to accept that their feelings are valid you would immediately fall into that into that way of thinking as well um yeah that's that's the i guess that's the essence of of, of ethics <laughs> i don't know i don't know anything about all this um but this is a very interesting version of the golden rule uh i i think it's a good book i think it's uh you know it, it's a good introduction to the concept of the golden rule and treating others well there's nothing I, i'm not going to criticize the, the notion of treating others well um i don't like the way they present Susie mcgrizzy uh i do like the fact that mama and papa bear do a terrible job at explaining the golden rule in the beginning uh it's a good it's a good conversation starter as we like to say on the show it's a good it's a good be, a good starting point uh but it's not, you know, it's not a, it's not a philosophical treatise. As Mike said, he used these initial Zonderkid's books as just a way to sort of introduce some concepts. But I also think this could have been just a general Berenstain Bears book. Honestly, the big question is more a religious book than this one is. You could have had a regular Berenstain Bears book about the golden rule, because like they say, this is not a religious concept. This is an ethical concept. Uh, so should you own it? I mean, can you own it? Yes, it's, it's, you can very much buy it. Um, I couldn't find it for sale digitally, but I did check it out from the library digitally, which is weird. So, uh, uh, and, and what's really funny is I own this book. I just, I don't have it. I cannot find it. I can find all my other Zonder Kids books. Can't find the golden rule. It's kicking around here somewhere. Um, so I'm at the, I was at the disadvantage of using the the weird digital the digital version is like an ebook so it chops the pictures up and puts everything it doesn't look like the spreads from the actual book which is a is a problem i prefer the ebooks that are formatted like the picture books this one kind chops cuts the pictures up and puts them like like you're reading a chapter book almost it, it doesn't really work but the, the the illustrations are good i do like the illustrations they're colorful they're bright i don't like the way they draw Susie mcgrizzy i don't think she had to be as big of a nerd as they portrayed her uh she could have just been the odd girl out and it still would have worked. Uh, there's a great spread, a two-page spread of the kid, the Cubs playing on the playground. Uh, we do see Tutal uh, brief. I assume it's Tutal. He's not wearing his hat, uh, but he's wearing his clothes. Uh, you see him just sort of like as part of like the random group of kids. He's beaning a kid with a with a with a with a dodgeball, just chucking a dodgeball at a kid, banging the heck out of his backside. So at least he's still in character. And uh, but that's it. That is the Berenstain Bears and the Golden Rule. You can find my show at Bstain Bearcast on Twitter. Uh, you can write to me at BerenstainBearcast at gmail.com. No one ever does. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at P Corey Gonzalez. That's where I do most of my stuff. Uh, I you know, it's not always the most uh, Berenstain Bears appropriate material, uh, but I am on I am at P Corey Gonzalez. If you want to find me there, uh, you, you can go to our Facebook page, Berenstain Bears. I mean, I post the show there. But that's it. Uh, leave me a review if you want to. If you like the show, leave me a review on uh, Apple Podcasts or le- go to Audible.com. Uh, leave a review there. I have no reviews for the show on Audible, and I would like to, you know, if you even if you love to review other places, go there and like leave a review of the show. I think that that would be. I I'm curious to get some reviews up there. I got a review from my other show, Pizza Pizza Toast, and uh, and we were just like, wow, there's reviews on Audible.com. Uh, also, I have a podcast called Pizza Toast where I talk about the Baron, the the Berenstain Bears, where I talk about the Babysitters Club with my friend Christy Admiral, and we have a great time. Uh, I, I think it's a fun show. I wish we had more listeners, so go listen to that. It's fun if you like the Babysitters Club or just like listening to me talk. Um, also, have a show that I do on and off with my 
Daughter Willow, which is uh, called It's Del Toro Time, which is far less family appropriate. But we do talk about we talk about horror, we talk about horror movies, uh, and barely talk about Game of Del Toro anymore. But we're we're going through some movies on there, and uh, I say I say on again, off again because. We, we've been a little inconsistent and really, we're, it's still, the show is still going. Uh, it's just, it's just been hard with college and with uh, COVID and with uh, getting like shots and not feeling well. And it's just been a mess. So uh, tune into that. And otherwise we'll be back with more Zonder Kids. We'll be back hopefully finishing up those chapter books soon. And uh, yeah, I will see you all next time deep in bear country. No. <laughs>